today, I, don't, I rarely talk about politics on a Sunday. So I'm probably making a lot of you very excited right now. I rarely talk about politics because I don't like division. I don't like when people get entrenched and divide church family, divide their own family. Because I believe in family and unity. So we don't talk a whole lot about politics, but today we need to because we have a big election coming up and I know a lot of votes have already come in and the, there's a lot of, lot of movement going on and probably a lot of confusion. So I don't know, today's title was Faith and Politics, but in reality today's title is Pastor Josh Gets Political. We have a candidate here today running for the governor, oh, mayor, excuse me. That's next time. President of the United States, Christian Garcia, running for mayor of the great, my last city that I lived in, the great city of Ontario. I love that city. And so he is, uh, well, Christian Garcia has led worship and preached in our church. And he's, uh, I don't want to say he's taking a higher calling by getting into politics, <laughs> but he's following where God's leading him. And so we're excited to have him here today. So I'm sure you might want to grab him after the service. But I've been praying for you. I'm excited about what you're doing. I love Ontario. I'm kind of torn. I, now live, I live in Claremont now. I used to live in Ontario, and I'm torn. I love that city. It's a great city. We'll, uh, we'll keep Christian afterwards, and we'll pray for him. So if you want to join us, you may. Um, get your Bibles out. I'm going to open up with Isaiah 56. I'm going to read it from a version called the New Life Version. So, I mean, maybe just mark it, but I'd rather you just listen to the way and the, the language that it comes off on this version, and we don't have it up on the screen, so just listen to it. But before we read it, I think it's probably appropriate that we open up in prayer. So, Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come right now and that you continue to fill this place. We feel your presence now. And we ask for the peace of God to rest on our hearts and our minds. We ask for the peace of God to come in and settle in our families, in our workplaces, we ask for the peace of God when conversations arise that, that might get heated or might get passionate. And we know that there's nothing wrong with a passionate conversation. But we know when there is peace in a conversation, then you can do your transformative work in, in people. So God, right now, we just ask for your peace to rest on us right now. Open our minds expand our souls, and help us to have more room in our hearts for those that are around us, those that we disagree with, those that are on the outside. I pray that you will expand our hearts today. In your name, amen. Okay, so in the context of society, listen to this this chapter, Isaiah 56, the Lord says, hold on to what is right and fair. 
So when you're, when you're going into the polling place on Tuesday, think about this. Hold on to what is right and what is fair. My saving power is coming soon. Amen? Yeah. And I will show what is right. If you're confused on what is right or what is wrong, I, I totally get it. Like, like, I'm not quite sure on like, who to vote for or what to vote for on the whole dialysis thing. I haven't got that far into it. I just know it's on the docket. Like, and I'm just like, I don't know. Um, I honestly believe if we are transparent with the Lord, if we actually dig in and do a little bit of homework and be civically minded and then allow the Holy Spirit to direct us, like, I think we will know how to vote on that issue. You know, why not? I will show you what is right. How happy is the man who does this and the son of a man who takes hold of it? How happy is he who keeps the day of rest holy? Good job, church. You did that today. Keeping the Sabbath holy. And keeps his hand from doing wrong. Let not the man from the strange land who has joined the Lord say, For sure the Lord will keep me away from his people. Let not the man who has made so, who has been made so that he could not uh, have children say, See, I am a dry tree. To these the Lord says, If these servants keep my days of rest and choose what pleases me and hold on to my agreement, I will give them something in my house, and my walls will be remembered. I will give them a name better than that of some, uh, uh, better than that of sons and daughters. A name that will be forever, and never cut out. And those from a strange land who join themselves to the Lord to serve Him and to love his name and to be his servants and to keep the day of rest holy and keep my agreement, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and I will give them joy in my house of prayer. This is the house of prayer, everybody. Their burnt offerings and gifts will be received on my altar and my house will be called a house of prayer for just the Christians. For all people, this is opened up to everyone, everyone. The Lord God who gathers the people of Israel from other lands says, I will gather yet others to them besides those whom I have already gathered. So this is a very important mindset. There's a lot of things going on here. This is the salvation of nations. Israel, God's people, we're destined to bless the world. This is an invitation for those of strange lands to come in and to partake and to become adopted into the family of God. It is an invitation for a transformation of identity into sons and daughters of God for everyone. To have that definition of becoming a son and daughter of God 
which is an, it's a, it's a, it's an exciting promise. But I don't know if you caught it. It said that they will, be, they will be recognized as even more than sons and daughters of God. I don't know what that looks like, but it sounds exciting to me. I like my identity as being a son and a daughter of God. Well, I'm a son of God. This is God's heart and his will for nations that they come to know the Lord. Despite what I like to think, scriptures tell us that God is politically minded. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Like, he really does care. Like, he cares about you and your own personal life, but he also cares about society in general. Again, there is a lot of chatter, there's a lot of noise, there's lots of division, there's lots of polarization, there's a lot of moving pieces, and it is confusing. And so today, I'm going to highlight three issues that I believe that are, that are spiritual and, and biblical, and hopefully that will set the direction and the tone of you know, maybe... Like, who do I vote for? What do I do? Uh, what, what proposition is important? So hopefully this will change. Change maybe even the way that, that, that you practice your civic duties. All right, so here's the three things. First is that identity is important. It's vitally important. Let's start off with the very first rung of identity and, and who you are and, and who God says that you are. God says that you are a son and daughter. God says that you are a part of his family. The scriptures say that our citizenship is in heavenly places. Our citizenship is in the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, first and foremost. And so you have a secondary citizenship, and that is because you know, you're American. You're a citizen of the United States of America. But for the believer, our citizenship is in kingdom places. He calls us sons and daughters. Daughters of Zion, sons of thunder. I mean, it's very exciting language that he uses for us, and it's very specific. Even the way that, that God organizes and governs his people, it's done from family. There are spiritual fathers and mothers that that, that come and make this church happen. That is, that's true governance. That's spiritual governance. I'm not the president of this church. They make me be the president of the corporate board of Granite Creek Community Church, whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm not the president. I like to consider myself as a father. I'm also a son of this house. I've got more spiritual mothers than I know what to do with, and I love them all. I love them all. And I, and I want you to, to see it that way, too. 
when you are considering how to vote, I want you to think about what does this do to identity? Lots of confusion on identity these days. Are you red? Are you blue? Are you a communist? Are you a Nazi? Are you a boy? Are you a girl? Are you a furry? Are you a turtle? Like, and I want to encourage you, specifically in the area of sexual identity, to vote for candidates. They're going to hold a traditional view of sexuality. Biblical womanhood, biblical manhood, traditional views on sexuality. And I know that's very controversial, but it's biblically minded, and it's so important that we think in these ways. Now, it's not just um, Christian theology and rules and, you know, the sin thing. We do know that once we begin to blur these lines of gender, and again, you can, you can make up any gender that you want these days. Like, let's just take religion and Christianity out of it. It's bad for society. Now, freedom is great for society. I think that you need to be free. I think that you need to uh, be able to make any decision that you want to make. At the same time, to confuse young people to the point where they don't know who they are or what they are or where they're going or how they're going to move forward in life, I think it's a problem. So, there is a political agenda to confuse gender issues, right? It's there. But even deeper, there is a spiritual dynamic that I want everybody to be aware of. The enemy of God wants to come in, and he literally wants to steal your identity. So think about it in those terms, because I know that we can like get in our mindset, we get all like, but think about, think about it from a spiritual perspective, that the enemy of God wants to bring in so much confusion, so much division, that he wants to steal identity. And if he can steal identity, then confusion is the name of the game, and it wins. So when you're thinking about, okay, who do I vote for? What proposition do I vote for? I would say, ask that question. Okay, does it, what does it do to identity? Is it confusing? Is it complicated? That's one area. And I think it's a spiritual area. I think it's a biblical area. Secondly, this one, you know, that one might be a little fuzzy. I believe that this one's black and white. And I am a pro-life pastor. We have, a, we have an amendment or a proposition on our ballot this year, this, this time around. Uh, don't be confused about the language, how they put it. Do your research on it. Uh, prop one needs to be looked into. Like, you need to do your homework on it. As a pro-life pastor... I believe that it is a biblical and spiritual 
value to uphold the right of life. Why is that? Because even though I have the ability to procreate, did it once, worked out okay, um, even though I have the value, I have the ability to do that, God is the author of all life. So although I think that I did it, life emanates from God. Why? Why does God create life? Because it's important to Him. God created you so that He could have another person to love. And that is His driving force in creating sons and daughters. God is a life giver, a life maker, a life saver. And he wants to come in, he wants to save your life, but he wants to create new life. This is who he is. This is how he operates. It is, it is the core of his identity as a father. I know the issue of abortion is complicated. I know that I'm probably preaching to the choir right now. I know that there's nuance but I am not naive, and I know that a lot of us have dealt with this issue on a personal level. And there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is healing, there is restoration. And again, I know it's a complicated issue, and I know there's nuance there. But I would encourage you to choose life. Choose life. Even when you're confused and even when you're frustrated, choose life. It might not make sense. It might not add up practically. But choose life. That's a biblical principle, in my opinion. That's a biblical principle. Third area that I think that you need to consider when you vote is uh, uh, this applies to both sides of the aisle. By the way, I like to consider myself as one of those preachers that preaches to both sides of the aisle. There may be a few libertarians in the middle. The other area that I think is important biblically and for the church and even for religious institutions and organizations is freedom. Civic freedom, the freedom of speech, The freedom to practice your faith, the freedom to worship. Um, you might be thinking, well, is this really important? It is important. Like, when you consider a candidate to vote for, you need to, you need to know how do they view religious organizations. I'm not making this up, but there is a movement to take away tax-exempt status from all religions if they are not falling in line with certain woke ideologies. That, that could be a reality. I mean, it, it was close to being a reality in the last election. It could be a very, it could be a reality in, in the future. If that takes place, uh, church as we know it would be over. We'll be moving into home church. That might not be a bad idea. I might be uh, ordaining a lot of you to be pastors in home churches. But freedom is vitally important to the Lord. It is a spiritual principle that is strong and that is consistent 
in from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation. God wants you to be free. Why? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He has come to set the captives free. And so we have to be wary about, okay, like, if we head in this direction, what is that going to do to my civil liberties? Here is, here's an example. Um, maybe this will hit at home. As a church leader, currently, and this word's going to sound awful when I say it, but I'll define it. Currently, I have the right to discriminate on who I hire. Doesn't that sound terrible? But it's important. Why is it important? Because we are a Christian church. And if I had a job opening and a rabbi applied for the job, I'd have to say, this isn't a good fit for you. <laughs> I can't hire you because we don't agree on theological issues. Does that make sense? So I, I have to have the freedom to hire people that are in our faith tradition, if you will. I have to have the freedom to hire people that fall in line with our moral stances. Does that make sense? But again, there's chatter saying if, you, uh, if your church um, does not hire everyone, then you're going to lose your tax-exempt status. That's control, right? There is, there is a reason why our founding fathers created this beautiful concept of separation of church and state. Separation of church and state is a great thing. Why? Because we don't want the state dictating how we worship. Does that make sense? Separation of church and state was a brilliant idea. Theocracies are bad ideas. Theocracy says it is the government that is in control of people's spiritual lives. And that's just a mess. It's a mess because people are broken. Now, it's better that... that the church is led by individual communities of faith people. That's, that's the way that God intended it. All right, so those three areas right there. I want you to be mindful about that when you're voting. Now, again, there's all these other, there's all these other these items, you know, dialysis and marijuana regulations and all of these things, super confusing. And I can't tell you how many times people come up to me and say, Pastor Josh, how do I vote? Pastor Josh, who do I vote for? All right, that's, um, I get it. There have been election seasons where I'd been lazy and I didn't do my research. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. And so I start filling in bubbles, right? <laughs> so, so I get it, regardless I, I think we just need to be good civic citizens and do our own homework. Like it is, I'm a, I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor. I want to help you in your marriage. I want to help you raise your kids. I want to help you connect to the Lord. I want to help you overcome dark times in your lives. I just don't want to tell you how to vote. I want to treat you as adults and not as children. So I'm going to encourage you to do your own homework, and I want to encourage you to figure out who you're going to vote for. If you do need help, we will help you. 
So if you're like, I don't know who to vote for, I don't know, I'm like, I don't have time to research this stuff. My life is too busy. If you're in that category, um, we will send you a voting guide. Voting guides, I'm going to send you numbers of different types of voting guides because I get them all from you guys, and they're, they're great. And there are voting guides that I would consider to be the closest biblical guide that we could find. And so if you do need help with that, there's a card in the back of your chairs. Just write down your email and say, I need a voting guide. We'll, we'll send you a voting guide. If you need somebody to talk to, there will be somebody that you can talk to on that email to, to help you make a, a, an informed decision on that situation. This is about the most political I've ever gotten, right? But I think it's important during this season. So we will give you that. But I'm actually going to give you a different voting guide right now. I'm going to give you... A voting guide based off of those three things that I just talked about. Did you know that there is an enemy of God? There's an enemy of God. Like there is, there is light, there is darkness, there is good, and there is evil. And we are in an all-out war, spiritually. John 10.10 should be your biblical voting guide. John 10.10 says this, the enemy, the thief, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and live it to the full or live it abundantly. The enemy of God, his strategy is to steal. He wants to steal your identity. The enemy of God wants to come in and kill. He wants to kill you and your children. The enemy of... Sounds kind of scary, right? I don't mean to breed fear, but this is his strategy. The enemy of God wants to come in and destroy. He wants to destroy your freedoms. So off of those three things that I think that are important that we need to consider, off of what the enemy's strategy is to come in and steal, kill, and destroy, these, we need to be, this is what you need to be praying into when you vote. Like, take this scripture with you, John 10.10. 10. The enemy wants to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. So when you're filling in bubbles, think about that, right? Think about that when you're filling in bubbles. Is, is this going to take place? Like, what does this candidate think? What does this candidate believe? Will it steal? Will it kill? Will it destroy? Will it mess with identity? Will it take the unborn? Will it oppress people into slavery? Will it take away freedom? Like, these are the things that we need to consider. Now, Pastor Josh got political, right? It's not my job to encourage you to vote. That's your job as civic citizens. It's not my position to get out the vote. But is this my application today? Is my application for you today to hit that voting booth on Tuesday? We're going to turn a sharp corner right here. It's not. That's just my illustration. That is just my illustration. I hope that you vote, but I really don't care 
If you do, I do care about if you do. But you know what's more important? That John 10.10 is applied to you personally. You're going to vote. It might, it's going to make a little bit of a difference. But you know what's going to make a huge difference? If you apply John 10.10 to your own personal life. What is, okay, forget about the politics. Let's go into spirituality. Let's go into where you are at right now. How is your identity? Huh? Has your identity been attacked as being a father or a mother? Is your identity as even being a follower of Christ? You're like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even know what I believe anymore. Do you know that the enemy of God has a strategy to attack your identity as a Christian? It has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with spiritual warfare. Forget about the politics. How are you? Where is your identity? Are you a son of thunder or are you a daughter of Zion? Do you feel secure in your identity and who God's called you to be? Can you communicate your identity to the world around you? Do you feel confident telling your neighbor, I am a Christian? Or do you feel insecure about that, saying that? Because this is, this is more important than who you are and who God has made you to be. What things have you allowed the enemy to kill in your spiritual life? Has the enemy killed some dreams? Has the enemy killed your ministry? Has the enemy killed relationships that you've been working on? Like, this is really the important stuff. Pastor Josh, get back to politics. I want to change the world. We are changing the world. One soul at a time. Voting is just scratching the surface. Do you know somebody in your life in whom the enemy is killing? Killing them softly? Killing them slowly? slowly sucking the life out of them where everything is gray, where they don't have any hope, they don't have any future? Do you see people in your life that the enemy is killing? Who, whose responsibility is that to bring them back? It's ours. Is the enemy destroying your freedom? Again, throw politics out, of the, out, of the, out for a second. Is the enemy destroying your freedom? I'm talking about your spiritual freedom. Do you know, I mean, I know there's a lot of rhetoric, there's a lot of saber, you know, rattling going on. I know there's threats that, you know, if we don't vote a certain way, we're going to become, you know, a communist state. That could happen. Or if we don't vote another way, we can become a bunch of Nazis. I guess that could happen. Pretty extreme, right? Do you know that all this stuff, that, well, they're, they're taking my freedoms away. Do you know that America, regardless of all this stuff that we're dealing with, we're still the freest nation on the planet? Do you realize how much freedom we are walking in? It's absolutely amazing. And yet, we are the, most free, we're the freest society the world has ever seen. And yet, look around. Look at the faces at Skid Row, look in your classrooms, look in your families, look online. People are in more bondage in this society than in, than in any other society. 
They are in bondage to addictions. They are in bondage to abuse. They are in bondage to systems that keep them locked into poverty. Now, there's, there's different forms of control. There's different forms of, of slavery. There is a slavery of the mind that if we are not, even as a believer, there, there is a slavery of the mind. If, we are not, if we're not aware of it, it will oppress you and it will control you. You have the ability to hold every thought captive and make them obedient to Christ. What are those thoughts that could put you into slavery that the enemy could use to steal your freedom? Well, those thoughts could be negative thoughts. Those thoughts could be depression. Those thoughts could be thoughts of, I am a loser. Those thoughts could say, there's nothing good that's ever going to come of this world. Those are the types of thoughts that we need to wage war against. What is holding you captive? It's not a government. It's a spiritual thing. What spiritual thing is holding you captive? What lies have you gone into agreement that you bought into? All right. Let's go full-blown hyperbolic here. Worst case scenario, we do end up in a totalitarian regime, right? Because our guys did not get into the office. Just think of the worst possible dystopian situation, right? Think of our society being losing a big chunk of its freedoms, right? Think about that. Just imagine, if you will. Think about that. Did you know that you can still be free? Isn't that amazing? You can still be free. You can be, you can be in a gulag in Russia, and have the joy of the Lord, where death can't touch you, where you are free to be who God has called you to be. Come what way, you, you can choose freedom. I like to think of it this way. You really want to make a change? You want to change society? True change and transformation comes from the bottom up and not the top down. I've heard it said this way. We deserve the politicians whom we get. You know what that means? That means they, who's in office and what propositions get enacted, they are just a reflection of our values. Right? They're just a reflection of our values. So if you really want to change the world, where do you start? You start with yourself. Top down does not work. Bottom up does work. You know why I believe this? It's because Jesus said it. Jesus said it. He says, streams of living water will flow from within. That is, personal transformation takes place from the inside out. You can't change your environment to get transformation. You have to change your heart first. So that's step one. If you want to see society changed, if you, want to see, if you want to see culture redeemed, if you want to see nations come to the Lord, it starts with you and your heart first. 
Then the next step is your soul. Like, you got to, I don't know why I love saying this, but you just got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You got to get your emotional state. You got to get your relational state. You got to get yourself under control. You got to get your emotions in check. You got to get your, your gifts and your, your abilities. You got to get your hands on this thing. You got to be active in your faith. And it needs to be reflected at home. Transformation takes place individually, and then it must translate into home. You want to change the world? Change your home life. And then in your communities. Want to change the world? Um, do church better. You might vote for one proposition, and uh, it's like, yeah, I felt good about that. And, you know, the LGBTQ people are going to, you know, I got them, right, because I voted this way. Do you want to know what's more powerful is that you invite somebody transitioning into your home, and you share the love of God with them? Your vote will only last so long. But if you could lead somebody to the love of God, that's eternal. It's an eternal perspective. Can we do that as a church? Can we love the unlovable? Can we touch people with leprosy? Are we okay with cooties? You guys okay if... Uh, Homeless person cuts your hair and they run your fingers through your hair. And you okay with that kind of stuff? Because that's what the church is called to do. And again, that's where true transformation comes from. It's a relationship with people, even the worst of the worst, even the most, even the ones we don't agree with. Are you able to have? I'm not saying that you throw your values at the door. I mean, you know what my values are. I highlighted those at the beginning. You know where I stand on things, but. Can you have a conversation with somebody that is completely opposed to the Christian faith? You should. And you can do it. I do it. You can do it. Have a beer with an atheist. Maybe not a Satanist. <laughs> but maybe a Satanist. I don't know. How, how courageous are you? So, let me get the band to come up to the front. All right, grab your elements. Oh, there's our founding fathers. You know what I was going to do? I was going to Photoshop my face on George, Bush, George Washington, but <laughs> my staff talked me out of it. I know. I, it, our nation was founded upon these principles. Don't talk about that much, but... Um, When I was a museum curator, my boss owned uh, George Washington's Thanksgiving Declaration, which is a prayer to the Lord that he wrote out in detail, thanking God for the divine wisdom to lead this country. There's spiritual seed that's been planted. It's still there. And I believe that that spiritual seed, I mean, the Constitution calls it life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
life, liberty, and the freedom to worship God, I think, is better. Happiness only gets you so far. Worship gets you everywhere. So, let's not allow the enemy of God to steal our identities, to kill off our inheritance, and to destroy our freedoms. You can do it practically, but I want to encourage you to do it spiritually by receiving the elements today. You know that this is the body of Christ, which has been broken, and everything that we need in life for living life to the fullest, to living abundantly, is here. It's not in systems, it's not in economics, it's not in businesses, it's not in government. Living life to the fullest and living it abundantly is in this bread, is it in the body of Christ. Everything that you need, all the answers are right here. And this body was broken for us, meaning that this body, the church body, if we so desire, can be a healing body, a body that brings unity, love, compassion, conviction, prosperity. I know that's a touchy word, but yeah, God wants to bless you. It's all right here. So let's not be deceived about where the answers come from. The answers are right here. Amen. Receive the body of Christ. I'm so glad I have this drink. I didn't do it this week, but last week I sinned. And you did too. And that's why you need a drink of this cup. I was having a conversation with a gal yesterday on Skid Row. I don't know what she did the first time, but she ended up in jail. And there was a, a ministry organization called Free Moms. I don't know who they are, but it's amazing. But what they do is they find a mom that is incarcerated, and they, they pay their bond. They get them out. And so this gal, oh my gosh, she was just falling apart. She was, she was breaking down. And she said, Pastor Josh, it's like, I did this really bad thing when I was a young woman. And I was going to be locked up for life. Or maybe not life, but she's going to be locked up for a very long time. She says, I don't know who these people were. I don't, I've never talked to them before. But they chose me. And they, they paid my fee. And they bought my freedom. I'm like, that's amazing. And then she just starts crying. She got into an altercation with her family. They went sideways. 
she said, and I started listening to the voices in my head. She's being very real and transparent. She said, I was listening to the voices in my head, and I attempted to burn down my brother's house, and there was three people inside. And she says, and now I'm looking at life for three counts of attempted homicide. She says, and I already got let off once, so now I have to go. And I said, honey, if God did it once, he can do it again. And his mercies are never ending. Yeah, yeah, you may have to go. But you just, I want to encourage you just to receive God's mercy. So yeah, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. God has set you free in the past, and he's here to set you free again. And it is in the blood of Christ. Without this drink, there is no forgiveness of past sins. This washes away and takes away your bill. Again. Again. I don't care how many times you've messed up. If you receive this cup, and if you're honest, if you do business with God, if you are a believer, if you say, God, I forgive you for all of those that I've hurt and offended, and God, forgive me for hurting and offending others. If, you, if you've forgiven people in your heart, you're not going to be eating and drinking judgment upon yourself. This will wash away all of your sins. You're going to transform right now from being a sinner into a saint. And sainthood is a great place to walk. That's your identity. Amen? Like, you want to talk about identity? You are saints not sinners. Let's brace, embrace that identity now. Receive the blood of Christ for your saints. almost forgot to receive the offering. And since the government might, government might tax us pretty soon, we probably should take an offering. All right. I'm going to have the ushers come to the front. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that the church is 
the church is the hope of the world. That the body of Christ, when she is doing it right, can make lasting transformation. So God, may you bless and pour out an abundance on this church. May you lavish her with an extravagance so we can move forward your mission. Your mission of relationship with you and your mission of relationship with each other, even the worst of the worst. God, I pray you bless this offering so that families and society can be transformed. Thank you, Father. God bless you as you give back to the Lord. I'm going to send you off with a blessing. And then uh, I'd love to pray for Christian and DeAndre. DeAndre is running for council for uh, city of Pomona. So we're going to pray for these men of God as they've stepped into an arena that, is, that needs godly people. So thank you guys so much for your call. And we're, we're going to support you in prayer. So we'll have you guys come over here and we'll pray for you guys. All right, so now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn towards you in your darkest moments, filling your environment with beauty. The Lord is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He has all the answers. May he go with you today and encourage you for the rest of the week. God bless you guys. See you soon.